my friends, and welcome to the Phantasmagorium. I am your host, the Creeper of Channel X. We are now deep into the harvest season. Some call it fall. Some call it autumn. Others call it the dead season. And tonight's tale takes place in a very fitting setting for the season. Before we begin, please remember to monster mash the subscribe button and click the little franken chime next to it. This ensures that the elder gods of YouTube alert you when new stories from Channel X premiere. And if you enjoy our story, please hit the thumbs up. With no further ado, please enjoy. There's something in Mr. Johnson's cornfield. Every year on Halloween night, my friends and I would go out to Mr. Johnson's cornfield to share our favorite creepy stories. All four of us were very fond of horror and would spend all year searching for the creepiest Reddit stories. Real or fake didn't really matter to us, so long as we all had goosebumps and that fear that someone was watching us by the end of the night. We were a little too old for trick-or-treating, and Halloween house parties weren't really our idea of fun. This would be our third year sneaking into Mr. Johnson's cornfields. I say sneaking, but the truth is, Mr. Johnson didn't mind us being there so long as we cleaned up after ourselves. Better than getting into worse shenanigans elsewhere, he'd always say. This year, Halloween was on a Saturday, which would have been amazing if not for the pandemic. But like I said, we had already planned for it to be just us four, so the pandemic didn't really change much, except for the fact that we had to wear masks while telling our stories. We usually don't dress up, but since it was mandatory to wear masks anyway, we figured we'd go all out. I dressed up in that one cool mask from the movie The Purge. You know the one that says kill me? Space buns and a bloodied white dress included. Lisa went as a yellow astronaut, some game named Among Us. I'm not sure, but she's obsessed with it. Tom donned a red devil mask with yellow and purple accents, red shirt, and blue jeans. He was probably the least into the costume part of Halloween. And Jake went as a scarecrow, burlap hat, hay stuffed into his shirt and pants, and to top it all off, a DIY burlap mask. I bet it was itchy. Hey Sarah. Jake smiled, lowering his mask as he approached Lisa and me. Hi Sarah, Tom mocked. Jake and Tom fake wrestled as they got into my car. The car clock glowed greenly at us. 9.45 p.m. Play nice, boys. I laughed at them. Mr. Johnson's cornfield wasn't too far from Jake's. About a 15-minute drive normally. Might be a bit longer with Halloween. 
but it won't be too terrible. 10.07 p.m. The clock glowed once more. I turned the keys and the car shut off. We're here, Tom said in a spooky voice, shining one of our flashlights onto his face. We all exited the car and went to the trunk to grab supplies. Flashlight? Check. Blankets? Check. Extra flashlight? Check. Snacks? Check. After all, it wasn't Halloween without candy. We made our way to the center of the cornfield. It wasn't too big, but I'd say it was definitely big enough and high enough to get lost in. However, right at the center was an open circle, void of plants and grass. Mr. Johnson kept the center cleared out in this way specifically for us. He was such a nice old man. Whoa, check it out. Lisa yelled. Mr. Johnson finally got a scarecrow. We stepped away from the path to gawk at this new spooky addition. The closer we got, the more eerie it felt. I'd seen a couple of scarecrows in town, but nothing like this guy. He looked heavy. He didn't look as if he was made of sticks and hay, but something heavier. I don't mean chubby. His face was kind of sunken in from what I could see. It was so hard to tell in the dark, and even the flashlight created harsh shadows. He looked alive. He was strewn up on a huge wooden cross, and man was he huge. He was one and a half times the size of a regular person. He was wearing a large, dirty brown trench coat and a torn up black sweater underneath with pieces of hay falling out of the tears. Thick blue jeans hidden underneath his trench coat, also torn to shreds and bits of hay poking out. Lastly, he wore big black boots, scuffed like no tomorrow. Jake held his hand out to touch the scarecrow. Uh, I don't think so. I said, quickly grabbing his hand before he got the chance to touch that gross thing. Let's keep going, okay? I said, hoping the group wouldn't fight me on this. Alright, but let me at least take a quick selfie, he said. Jake pulled out his phone, as did Lisa. No service? Oh man, this bites. She said. Smile, Jake said, holding his phone out in front of us. We all stood in line in front of the scarecrow. Despite being seriously creeped out, it was fun to have this memory in a digital copy. We were back on the path, and about five minutes later, we had reached the center. Lisa unfolded one of the blankets we had brought and placed it on the ground. We all sat down across from each other and put the bowl of candy in the middle. So, Tom started. Who wants to go first? Me. Lisa screamed, grabbing a handful of the bite-sized candy and shoving it in her mouth, wrapper and all. Lisa, gross. Tom laughed. Beside, I meant who wants to tell the first story. Lisa made a silly face, 
and then we all looked at each other, no one of us really wanting to go first. I guess I'll go. Tom let out a deep breath. He was always the best storyteller. He grabbed the flashlight and pointed it up at his face. Very unflattering, but also a bit nostalgic. Four years ago, in this very cornfield, on a cold Halloween night, a killer had escaped prison. Tom! I interrupted. Do you really think you should be telling that story? We don't have a no real stories rule, but if it really bothers you, how about we take a vote? Well, I vote no. I replied, looking to Jake and Lisa. They avoided eye contact. Guess the story's on. Tom smiled. <sighs> I grunted under my breath. Like I was saying, four years ago, Eddie Santaro, deemed the sad clown by local media, had escaped prison and made it all the way down to these very cornfields on Halloween night. Eddie was drastically deranged, as you all know. He had stolen one of Mr. Johnson's shovels and slaughtered four teenagers before the police finally killed him with five bullets to the heart. Bang, 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 bang. I jumped. Did he really have to tell such a terrible story? I wasn't as into nonfiction as the rest of the group was. To be honest, it really creeped me out. Especially since it happened in the very field we are in now. I still wonder why Mr. Johnson never closed it off. I know it's weird to be here, even though it's been four years. Tom convinced the group to come here that first Halloween after everything happened. Mr. Johnson went out of his way to make sure we were comfortable, which definitely helped. But it's still an eerie feeling being out here. Tom started laughing as he grabbed a Snickers from the candy bowl. All of a sudden, quick but heavy footsteps could be heard behind me. I turned quickly, but it was too dark to see. Both Tom and Jake shined their flashlights in the direction of the noise, but there was nothing there. You guys heard that, right? I asked, half hoping it was just my imagination the other half of me knowing it wasn't. Uh, must have been the wind? Jake assured me, but sounded more like he was trying to convince himself. How about you go next, Jake? Tom said, trying to take our minds off the footsteps. Uh, yeah, okay, Jake said. He turned back to face the center of the group, as did I. We all looked at him, waiting for the story. Suddenly, two long arms, made up of sticks, secured together by tight bundles of hay, ripped right through Jake's chest, clutching the front of his body and quickly yanking him backward. It took a second to respond. Blood splattered onto our faces. Jake's fearful and confused face growing smaller as he was fiercely dragged away. What the hell? Tom yelled and stood up quickly. Lisa and I, still in shock, stayed sitting on the ground, 
we could still hear Jake yelling. He didn't sound too far, and the voice wasn't growing distant anymore. Wherever he was, he wasn't moving. That thing! What happened? I gasped. I don't know. It all happened so fast. Tom spoke, trying to figure out what to say. Something grabbed him. Lisa finally spoke. It took him. It took him back to the direction of the car. Do you think... Her thoughts trailed off, but I knew what she was about to say. It was that creepy scarecrow. We have to go get him. I said. Are you crazy? Lisa replied. He'd do it for me. Either way, the car and Jake are in the same direction. Let's go, Tom ordered. We slow walked in the direction of the still screaming Jake, eyes darting back and forth and occasionally upward to see any sign of the scarecrow. Jake unfortunately had the other flashlight, meaning the three of us had to share one. It was quiet, save for the occasional bird cawing or wind rustling in the cornfield. That walk felt like miles due to how slow we were walking, but we couldn't make a noise. It was an almost safe feeling being swallowed by the cornfield. We eventually came to another clearing. Jake's screams grew louder. I almost didn't recognize him at first. He was strapped to a giant wooden tee, plunged deep into the earth. My eyes went blurry for a second after we realized what we were looking at. He was cut open, blood draining from him into a big metal pot. He was still screaming, probably out of pure adrenaline. A quick glance at each other, and we all knew we couldn't save him. I don't think he even noticed we were there. His screams died down, and he was gone. I held back tears. Lisa's cries were muffled by her mask. We have to move, Tom spoke being the only level-headed one at the moment. We started to move toward the direction of the car. Tom leading, me in the middle, and Lisa close behind. We could finally see the car, thank God. We decided to run for it. After all, the car was so close. In a split second, the scarecrow was back. He seemed to dart in from the sky. He landed on the hood of the car, denting it and rendering the motor useless. He then took a single leap back into the darkness. We stopped dead in our tracks, eyes scanning the sky. The same tight bundles of hay came down and grabbed Lisa instantly. I reached toward her, but was too late. We didn't even hear her scream. We have to make a run for Mr. Johnson's farm now. I yelled, grabbing Tom's arm, causing him to accidentally drop the flashlight. I began dragging him toward the farm. It wasn't too far from the car, but that thing moved insanely quick. Tom's legs were moving but I could tell his head wasn't thinking straight, 
Mine either. How was this seriously happening? I was still secretly hoping this was just some elaborate prank. We bolted toward the farmhouse. All Mr. Johnson's lights were off. The house was almost invisible in the dark, the only light being cast from the moon. Help! We both screamed at the top of our lungs. Help! No answer. We kept running. I occasionally looked back, no sign of the scarecrow either. We finally approached the front porch, knocking our hands off, praying for an answer. The outside light came on and I felt the weight of my body lighten. Mr. Johnson stepped out of the darkness. His face looked much older under the harsh shadows of the porch light. His long, raggedy hair uncombed and circular glasses shining in the light. He was still in his overalls, despite his house giving the appearance that he had been asleep. Please, Mr. Johnson, you need to call the cops! I screamed, gasping for air. Someone, something is out there. It took Lisa and Jake. It's coming. Tom yelled afterward. Mr. Johnson just stared at us. He walked over to the right side of his porch. A medium-sized bell hung from the roof. He started ringing the bell, loud and quick. What, what are, are you, you doing? doing? We yelled in sync. I'm sorry, kiddos. He yelled back. It's the only way we can make sure the town has a good harvest. What are you talking about? I yelled, my eyes searching the sky, while Tom looked toward the field. Every four years, we have to make this sacrifice for the good of the town. I really am sorry, kids. He yelled, still ringing the bell. Sarah! Tom cried, but was cut off. I turned around to see him being pulled into the cornfields. No! I yelled. I turned back toward Mr. Johnson, but he was gone. I started running back to the entrance road. It was about a mile until the main road, but it was the only option I had at this point. Before I could even take off, he was back, and now taller than ever. So tall, I wondered if they could see him from the main road. I didn't know where to go. I knew this was the end. I thought about my friends. I thought about my family. I thought about the cruel Mr. Johnson, and I wondered how many times he had done this before. The scarecrow grabbed me with his bundled arms of hay and leapt back into the sky. He hung me on another large wooden tee and sliced from my stomach down. I could feel my body emptying. My vision started to blur, but I kept screaming. The scarecrow didn't move. He stayed there, watching me the entire time, seeing me take my last breath. I hope they remember me as they eat their harvest.
Well, friends, it sounds like Sarah didn't quite make it out. It's a good thing the Creeper is here to relay her story. Until next time, have a nice harvest.